If you want a wildly healthy, naturally disease-resistant pet who turns heads and starts conversations with awestruck onlookers, you're right where you belong. This is the Vital Animal Podcast with your host, homeopathic veterinarian, Dr. Will Falconer. Welcome, everyone. So glad you could join us today. It is my pleasure to introduce someone on the forefront of responsibly using titers as a way to prevent over-vaccination in our pets. Welcome to my veterinary colleague, Dr. John Robb. Thank you, Will. Glad to be on your program. So first, John, I know you live online at protectthepets.com. And would you give our listeners just a short history on how and why you came to start that website and what you do there? Yeah, it was just a situation where so much corruption in our in our field yeah, will, yeah. you know, over the years, just watching the love of money take over it to the detriment of the pets that we're supposed to care for. So I just felt like pet owners needed a place where they could go and get the truth. So that's how it started. Just had some time, a little bit of money and felt, you know, that this is my way of giving back to the profession that's done so much for me. Awesome. And that, and that was the beginning. Certainly, vaccines are part of that. You know, there's others yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big area, isn't it? It's, it's been long. Vaccination, the, the vaccination decision has long been my number one kind of touch point for people to say, if you want to have the healthiest pet possible, you've got to think your way through this really carefully. So, a few topics I think my audience would love to hear more about is. This issue of over-vaccinating, why, why is that a problem? And do you think titers can help people avoid that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the word itself, over, it's over the top. In other words, the titer tells us the pet has already achieved immunity. So there's no benefit from the vaccine. I mean, you're injecting something that can only harm with no benefit. That's malpractice, in my opinion. And that's why over-vaccination is such a horrendous thing because of vaccinosis and the fact that many pets die. I just say it like it is. There's so many pets that are dead because they got shot up with something they didn't need. That's horrendous. And a titer tells you that they don't need it. Tells you you've achieved your immunity. Stop. Yes. Don't do it. Yeah. Beautiful. And just tell people who are kind of new to the idea of titers what they are in, in simple terms. Well, you know, I always use this analogy because it's easy to understand. You and I will both probably had MMR as a kid, mumps, measles, and rubella vaccine. <laughs> Most people have. We don't even think about it, really. We don't get a shot every three years. We don't even thought. Now, if you want to work at most of the hospitals in the U.S., they don't even want to know your vaccine history. They're going to draw blood, and they're going to find out if you have circulating antibodies against mumps, measles, and rubella. And if you do... You start work, you have active immunity, secondary to vaccination. That's as simple as it gets. We should be doing the same thing for what I think are the only three vaccines I recommend, which is distemper, parvo, and and rabies. That's it. I don't recommend any others. And a titer simply stands for titration, which simply means taking a sample of an animal serum that has the antibodies and begin diluting that sample and see if it's still neutralizes the virus. And if you can, and how many times can you dilute it and it still neutralizes the virus? So you titrate it to the point where it will no longer neutralize 
and you've reached your endpoint. So you have a number. Although I don't really agree with the number game because the lowest titer is the same immunity as the highest titer. So to me, high titers simply mean more vaccinosis. But that's the titration is where the name comes from, but it's a simple measure of antibodies against the virus that we vaccinate. Beautiful, beautiful. So if you see a positive titer, in other words, regardless of the number on the, on the page, you've got an animal who's already got immunity. Is that the bottom line? You know, Dr. Dr. Schultz said it best. He said it's, it should be a yes or no answer. We confuse people with these titers. And I think it's just another way the system works to say, well, yeah, you got a titer, but it's not high enough, so we need to vaccinate again. Right. And I get this all the time because a lot of the interpretations from the titers say that, but I'm saying the opposite. And so they say, well, but it says we should do it. And I said, but it's not true. I'm not going to say they're lying, but I'm going to tell you that that's not a true statement. If your pet has any measurable antibodies, it's a pregnancy test. You are or you aren't. Right, yeah. right. And what do you think about, say, you, you had a positive titer at a three-year-old and that animal aged to be a 10-year-old and the, the antibodies left the bloodstream? Do you feel there's, there's cause to revaccinate? Well, there's always a question of cellular immunity. And the problem is we don't have a easily available commercial method of checking that. I, I'm sure most of those pets probably are immune, but the problem is just we don't have a way to assure an odor that based on the current science available. So that's the challenge with that. But fortunately, most pets who have a titer will maintain a titer for, for life. And, and that's what I've seen now that I've been doing titers for so long. Ah, interesting. Years. So e even, if, even if they're getting age on them, they're, they're still holding a titer from vaccines years prior? Absolutely. And um, when I spoke with Dr. Schultz, because I'm blessed to have had many conversations with him along the way, and he's the guy who's done the research. I didn't do the research. But in terms of my clinical evaluation of checking titers, that research I have done, I've also done the research in the sense of lowering my vaccine volume and still achieving a good titer in smaller pets. So when I get arguments from veterinarians about this, I just say, have you ever done it? And they say, no. And I say, well, I have, so end of argument. Yeah, yeah. But, but the main thing is, yes, these titers can last for years. I recommend check every three years. Not a problem to to check. I've made the titers affordable to people, making very little, but making it affordable. And that's helped the cause by getting a lot of data and getting the word out. So, you know, my feeling, Will, honestly, is you and I got a license, right? Our license says we took an oath to do no harm. We took an oath to keep up with the latest science and use that in our approach to our medicine. I don't care what the standard of care is. That means nothing to me. What means something to me is living my oath. And if the standard of care would force me to go against my oath, then I'm going to do what's right for my patient, not what's right for the standard of care, which is usually behind the newest standard of care, which is what's coming and what we need to live now, which I know is what you're all about as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important point. The animals have to come first. We, we can't we can't be looking at standards of care when they've gone awry, and they sure seem to have in the last many years. John, why are some vets either wildly overcharging for titer testing or telling pet owners titers are unreliable? I've had readers tell me vets have told them, you know, this can change daily, so we can't trust a titer. What do you, how do you respond to that? 
Well, I think you and I have heard the word, use the word indoctrination, okay? That's part of it. It's not all of it. Because when you get out there and you're making easy money, right? Because you and I both know these vaccines, two, three bucks a piece, average price, 35, 40 bucks. And all you're doing is loading a syringe and injecting it. Easy money, quick money. So when 10, 15, 20% of your business is generated from that, if, if it's hard to take that away, people get nervous. Let's face it. And so the oath has become less important than the money. And then they'll believe the lie. And if they all say the same thing, then it's right because we all agree. But that's really the problem. Now, in terms of the vaccine cost, certainly there's the labs that run these titers, which are mainly in the US, Antec and IDEX, but they don't run the rabies titer. They send it to Kansas State. So they add on right away a hundred bucks and the vets double it. So now you're at 200 for nothing. And that's oh, the problem. Wow. So if the vets look up the price on IDEX or Andex, an endpoint tighter is going to be 300 bucks. Whereas what you get it done is for 65 right out of Kansas State. Nice. So something that costs 65 is reaching the consumer at $300. Amazing. Whereas I had 20 bucks, 85 bucks, you know, boom, you got it. And that's the problem. They, and, and it, but it's not just the fact that they use these middlemen because I started a campaign to have their clients go in and say, hey, you can join Kansas State. Here are their steps. It's so easy. They give you a free UPS label. You just have to draw the serum, put it in an envelope, slap the UPS label, and it's on the road. Join, please, and charge me reasonable amount. But they won't join. So uh, if I'm hearing you right, a client can do that, can send it directly to K-State? Here's my, here's my system. The reason I'm doing titers all over is I simply do this. The client goes to the vet and says, I want to run rabies plus core titers. They say, okay, that's $500. Say, well, Dr. Rob will do it for me for $80. I just need you to draw the blood and give me the serum. <laughs> oh, that's illegal. Well, he's done like 15,000 a month. What's illegal about it? <laughs> You're going to charge me 500. He's going to charge me 80. I'd like the serum drawn, please. Most vets draw the serum, hand it to the client. They get home, they submit their information. I submit it to Kansas State. They send me a UPS label and a submission form. I forward those right to oh, the client. Beautiful. They take the serum, they put it in an envelope with the submission form. They slap the UPS label, put it in the UPS box off to Kansas. Couldn't be simpler. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah, so we average six to 10 titers a day right now. And we've been doing that for you know many years now. So, and it's gotten me a lot of data. Give you an example. We know that they want to vaccinate puppies at 12 weeks for rabies. And we say, wait till they're at least six months. Well, when you vaccinate for 12 weeks, at 12 weeks, the majority of these pets don't get a good titer. They don't get measurable antibodies because they still have the passive immunity from the mother. So they shouldn't be vaccinating at 12 weeks. They got a vaccine certificate that doesn't mean anything because when we do the titers, it's wow. zero. If they wait till six months, 98% of them get a good titer. So the point is, I know this because I'm doing these titers and I can see the results. So this idea that to vaccinate 12 weeks doesn't work on the basis of you don't get a good titer. And secondly, you make the pet sick because their immune system isn't mature enough to exactly. deal with it. So you got to wait. But this information comes out by doing the titers. Beautiful. 
Yeah. So you have learned a lot from doing doing the work, doing the titers and, and comparing. So I often tell people, tell me, tell me if I should change my recommendations, John. I tell people, wait for 16 weeks minimum, and any time over 16 weeks is fine. Have you compared 16 weeks with six months and seen a big difference? I think that's a reasonable protocol. I think I use the six-month mark only because that's the latest you can go in Connecticut legally. Oh, beautiful. So I want to push it out as far yeah. as possible. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And give them a chance to mature. So I, I can't say, I just know that a lot of vets, oh, he's 12 weeks, let's pop him. Uh, and so we get a lot that right at 12, they get uh, shot up. So that's why I have the data at that point. And since I do them at six months and run a lot of titers, I have that data there also. I probably don't have as many at the 14-week, 18-week okay, mark. Okay, you know, good. To, but I could look back and see. I think probably the closer six months, the better chance the passive unity has gone. Although probably most of them, you're right, by 16 weeks, or so, it's probably gone, but 12 yeah, weeks now. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So uh, I've just really learned something here. I didn't know that if you send the blood off to IDEX or to Antec, that they're going to charge the veterinarian an additional fee, a significant fee, to get it from there to Kansas State. That's all it is. Okay. Yep. All they're doing is taking it and sending it to Kansas State and adding a significant wow. fee. And it's, uh, that's where the highway robbery comes in, if I, if I can yeah. put it that way. And of course, the vets tend to go two to two and a half to three times. Yeah. So if they had a hundred bucks, that's going to be 200 to 250 to 300 just for that one charge. And then the Kansas State fee, which is usually doubled. So that's why easily a rabies titer can get up uh -huh. there quickly uh -huh. when you use the middleman. You know, one of the reasons I and many of my holistic colleagues are so concerned about vaccinations is that they disturb greatly your animal's immune system. As we learned in episode two from Dr. Pitcairn, they sneak in the back door, you might say, and immediately get to the bloodstream, whereas in nature that would never happen. When all those defenses are bypassed, what happens is what I've often called immune confusion meaning we've now got the likelihood of allergies breaking out, often a month after the shot, or even sooner, much worse, we've got the chance of autoimmune disease, which can be deadly. So my recommendation is always, if you are finding yourself in a corner and need to get an animal vaccinated for whatever reason, maybe rabies is due and you can't work around it, then by all means, strengthen that immune system before and after the shot is given. And your best bet for doing that is Canine Immune Complete, the product we've created at our sister site, vitalpethealth.com. That's vitalpethealth.com, and now it's also available on Amazon. Canine Immune Complete is made with purified transfer factors from colostrum and several cofactors like medicinal mushrooms that work in synergy to make sure your dog's immune system is acting in top shape and going to keep the chances of immune confusion to a minimum. Thanks. Visit us at vitalpethealth.com. Do your dog a favor. And while we can't do rabies titers in-house, what do you think about the quality of the Vaxi check? And there's one other that people can check for parvo and distemper in the veterinarian's clinic. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. Well, along the way, 
I've rechecked titers from BaxiCheck and rechecked from the Antec and IDEX on the distemper parvo area. And once in a while, I'll find something that's out of whack. But for the most part, I think I think it's a good idea. And honestly, Will, the only thing stopping from having a rabies snap test in-house is, is the Government. system. Because the snap test for rabies would be very accurate and they would be able to do that right in-house. And that's what's going to come eventually, Will, when we break through. It'll be a quick, let me go run the test. Good. Your titer's good. Here's your immunity certificate. You're on your way. See you in three years. Beautiful. And talk to me about that immunity certificate, John. When when you've got results back for somebody, I think for their their minimal fee that they've paid you, they also get interpretation and this certificate. So talk about those two things. Yeah. So the certificate is the idea to put a document in their hand that verifies to someone who doesn't have knowledge of a titer, what it means for the pet. So the rabies immunity certificate, I make good for three years if they have any measurable antibodies. And people have been using these certificates for various things. Now, I do have the pet owner sign a clarifying statement that says, this is not a legal document because I don't want them to think that they can go in and replace a vaccine certificate with it and that their town hall will then give them their license. Having said that, many people use them for that, and some of them get licensed with it. I had a lady from Puerto Rico just recently thank me because her apartment complex accepted it, so her dog didn't have to get another rabies shot. A lot of these therapy dogs that go into hospitals, they're accepting my rabies immunity certificates so that they can be a therapy dog in a hospital. So, So we're getting quite a bit of acceptance at various levels as the titer becomes more known in the industry from what its value is and how it really is the only thing that, you know, it's interesting. Well, one state requires a titer. Hawaii. Really? Oh, and yeah, you know yeah, this. yeah. Yes. Before they won't you let come, you in right. a titer exactly. because, they, because they know the vaccine certificate doesn't tell you that the dog's exactly. immune. And since they don't have rabies in Hawaii, you can't get in there without that. That's right. It puts the value of the titer way up here as opposed to the rest of the states going, well, we don't accept a titer. We, we want a vaccine certificate. Right. But when it becomes real, like we don't want rabies here, you better have a titer to prove your yeah. pet's immune. And if you don't, you have to go into quarantine for like six months. But if you got the titer, you can get off the plane, you're ready to roll. So they know yeah. what it means. Yeah, that's excellent. I really applaud your efforts with that certificate, John, because I've done a similar thing with just writing waiver letters. If I've got an animal who's had past vaccine history, and I know from Schultz's work that the immunity lasts probably a lifetime. I'll write him a letter and say, so-and-so is a patient of mine. We're treating for X, Y, Z. And we've got a history of past vaccination. Here's what the immunologists say about that. And they use that to get into kennels and they use that to get into apartment complexes. And so your certificate is, is making the same inroads in a, in a more official sort of a way. I love it. Yeah, well, it came about because when I've been in front of legislators trying to amend the rabies law to reflect titers, I had to, if it passes, then we have to have, then what's the paperwork going to look like? So I felt, hey, this is what it would look like. And then I said, well, I don't care if they pass the law. Let's start. Exactly. And let's exactly. live it. So that's, that's beautiful. And people are working it. That's great. They're working it. You know, it's getting out there. So you've been in contact with Dr. Schultz probably a lot more directly than I have. John, has he, with the rabies challenge 
fund and the rabies challenge test findings, did he get enough data that he's satisfied that titer will reflect immunity and we can go to the regulatory officials with that? Or is it still needing more? Yes, yes. No, he's done various research over the years besides the Rabies Challenge Fund. And he's a very straight shooter with me. And he's just assured me that if they've got a good titer, he cannot give that dog rabies by challenge. He just can't. In other words, that's reflex immunity. Those antibodies are going to neutralize the exposure of rabies that comes into the body. And, and he's not a, he's a very serious guy. And for him to make a statement like that about a disease like rabies, which can be very zoonotic and lethal, then he, he better know his stuff, but he's willing to go out on that limb. And there's been enough data. The Rabies Challenge Fund, that's a whole other story, Will. To me, that's a whole disappointing situation. Things weren't done as well as they should have been for that study. Yeah. And I won't get into it. I'm not here to badmouth anybody, but people did invest a lot of money in the, and the results were not as uh, straightforward as they could have been based on some of the things that happened during the study. But having said that, even before the study, you go back to the French study back almost 30 years ago now that showed the titers equaled immunity. We really didn't need another uh. study, Will. It's like they just forget they did that study and they do another study. But the, it's the French study and it proved that's when they started requiring the titers for international travel. It was from the French study, which was done almost 30 years wow. ago, because that did show, yeah, by challenge. And there was a much bigger study than the rabies challenge wow. study. And it was very convincing data. So that's 30 years ago. You can look it up. And to me, this rabies challenge thing was overdone. It wasn't necessary, but it's called the French study. I can send you the link by email. And it's very straightforward. And it's proof. They even gave numbers for the titers that they felt would be significant and uh, protect. So there again, if you look at the international model and kind of take your focus out, they've been using titers for rabies for years for international changing borders, right? If you go in and out of the UK, they're looking at a titer to say, can you come back in or not? They're required for all travel now through most countries is the titer. And you know, obviously they require the vaccine because that's what produces the titer. Right. So, but it's the titer that gets them in. Without the titer, they can't get in. So like I said, it's just a matter of time before the public demands that their legislators pass legislation and stop forcing them to do this and put their pets at risk like it's been for so many years. Yeah, that's really valuable information. I'll look forward to that study coming in the email. That's a really powerful tool. So... Just to reiterate, titers, when they're, when they're criticized as changing all the time, you know differently, correct? Yeah, they don't change all the time. I mean, I do see that they'll go down some over the years, but it's not, it's not a radical amount, and it certainly isn't a daily thing. It's more of a, a yearly, tri-yearly type thing. So I haven't had evidence. And you know, I know you're familiar with Margot Roman, and she's done titers for years, and she has the data also to prove it even longer than I have that they maintain the titers for years. Let's make all kinds of statements because some vet made the statements. You've heard the one, you're vaccinating an immune system so everybody's got to get the same volume. I mean, you're not vaccinating an immune system. You're vaccinating a pet and a five pound dog. I put it this way. Lymphocytes are the same size in a chihuahua <laughs> as a St. Bernard. <laughs> so guess who's got a whole lot more lymphocytes? The yeah, St. Bernard. Yeah guess who's got a whole lot less to stimulate the chihuahua. So you're vaccinating 
you vaccinate lymphocytes and you don't have as many in the trial, so you don't need as much volume to stimulate them. Pretty simple, really. But this idea, who your vaccinating immune system, give me a break. Show me any science that proves that. They have nothing because somebody just said it and it fits their standard right, of care. Right. It's the same thing in human health. If you say it over and over again, vaccines are safe, vaccines work. Whether there's science behind it or not, eventually enough people believe it that you're on the kind of the wrong side of the equation if you're arguing against that. We don't have safety studies in vaccines. We don't have efficacy that's that's very high in some cases, that's for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So once people have a titer and they've got your certificate, they've got inroads to go pretty much where they want, except for maybe depending on their state or whoever their regulatory bodies are, they may or may not be accepted. Is that kind of the bottom line? That That's pretty much it. I mean, it's still, I call it the rabies dilemma. You have a pet owner, they know their pet's immune, they have the proof of it, but the legislative body wants to force them to get a vaccine. And this really is a problem because it actually causes people not to, what, like not to license their dogs, not to let the cities know that they have the dogs. So they go undercover. And uh, this, so we're creating more issues than doing the right thing and allowing people to protect their pets. So my tighter certificates, I don't think they're widely accepted, but they, I don't know who's using them and where unless I get a little signal back from somebody, which comes occasionally. But I know that if we're going to change something, somebody's got to start taking steps somewhere to break through. And that's what this is about, breaking through. And then eventually it becomes a standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wasn't it Connecticut who was one of the first to accept, a slightly side topic, but wasn't Connecticut one of the states to first accept veterinary waivers for rabies if the animal's not fit? Yeah, Connecticut was early on. Unfortunately, Connecticut, you know, the lady who championed that had to give in to the authorities and it became a situation where the state vet had to okay uh-huh. it. The state vet has to okay just sending you the form uh-huh. to fill out. So it depends on that level and who's up there. So that kind of shot it down. Now, New Jersey, for instance, the vet can just write the, write the waiver like you're talking about. And I've had people drive from New Jersey to me and I'll write them, you know, fill out the waiver so that they don't have to get the rabies. That's what it was. It was New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there was a breakthrough in Delaware recently. And that in Delaware, it's the first time, Will, that in the letter of the legislation, it says that a veterinarian can do a titer and write an exemption based on the titer results without having a animal that's already got some Awesome. In other words, so that they can write an exemption in Delaware based on a good title. So it's not the same. Yeah. So that we broke through there. Just it's a guy named Al Casapola, unfortunately had a dog die from the rabies shot. And he was so angry and so hurt that he championed this call. He calls it Maggie's law for Maggie. And, you know, I went up there and was testifying in front of the Delaware legislator. Of course, it was me and and then the whole Delaware Veterinary Medical Association just using fear tactics. If we do what Dr. Rob says, everybody's going to die of right, rabies. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what they say, just like yeah. you said. And they're like, and all the senators go, whoa, well, we can't kill people. 
And then but the next year, it doesn't work anymore because it was never true. There was nothing to back it up except them saying things like yeah, that. So, yeah. so we broke through in Delaware and we're hoping that breakthrough will be the, the spur that works us into these other states. Yeah, yeah, awesome. That's what it was. I remember now because I shared that with my readers. Yeah. And so that's a really good model. If you've got a titer in Delaware, you can get a, a waiver letter from your veterinarian with your titer written on it. For how long, John? One year. One year. Okay. One year. Yeah, but it's, it's a, a good start. start. We'll yeah, we'll take yeah. it. I mean, how many animals have you heard of or seen who just got a routine rabies shot, especially the seniors is, is my experience. They got a routine rabies shot and their health fell apart. All the time. All the time, Will. I think, I think it's happened a hundred times while you and I have been yeah, talking. Yeah. That's such a sad state of I affairs. Mean, I think it's that yeah. bad. It, it really is. It's, it's horrendous. I had a lady drive from Florida just to see me because, and bring me a picture of her dog that's on my counter at the office who was a 14 dog and received a rabies shot and was dead within oh, a week. God. You know? What a heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hear stories of paralysis and maybe they didn't die, but they're now paralyzed and things like that. So we're dealing with a nervous system virus. We're injecting it into animals that didn't need it in the first place because they were already vaccinated probably multiple times and now they fall apart. It's a, it's a crime. That's it. It really is. I, 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 think it's, I think it's cruelty to animals. I think we... As veterinarians, our association supports cruelty to animals. I mean, is it cruelty to inject a toxin into a pet that can harm them? That's what you're doing. Every time you give a shot that's not necessary, you're, you're giving them a yeah. toxin. And it's cruelty yeah. to do that. Yeah. So it's very sad because so many of these people, these pets are all they have. And when they lose them, their life... I mean, I've had people commit suicide after they've lost a pet. I believe it. So it's, it's very, very sad. Let's leave this conversation, John, with something positive that people can take to, to help change things. I know I have a fair amount of people that say, how do we change this rabies law? It's a state-by-state -state thing, correct? And if we've got Delaware as an example, how could people marshal together in any given state and kind of use that fodder to get their own state to change? What would be a couple of steps that you'd see? Well, the key thing is to network. We've had people working in many states who've now gone their fifth year of getting legislation and trying to break through, but knowing what they're going to use to come against them. In other words, they're going to use this, the state vets and their, their body of work, which, by the way, is not peer-reviewed as evidence that, you know, where it says, oh, the titer does not equal immunity, which is not true. And it's old data and they need to redo it. But the point is we have on Facebook, many states have their own Facebook page and people can go there, protect the pets, South Carolina, protect the pets, Florida, protect the pets, Arizona. And, and then we have people that will reach out to the others on my website. My website is basically an informational site and there's petitions people can get there's also just information like you're asking what a titer is that they can read about, give to other pet owners. And then there's also a letter to write to your legislative body with the science noted at the bottom that they can just quickly put their story in and add the letter, which has all the data and send it on to their legislators. So on the Protect the Pets website, there all the tools are there if they take the time. 
and the connections to other people who are working. Beautiful, beautiful. And then the big thing is go into your veterinarian and, and stand up. Yep. Yep. And say, I want you to help me change this law because we know that you as a veterinarian do titers on yourself. If it's good enough for you, it's good enough for my pet. Yeah. yeah. I'll just share a funny story. Dr. Cynthia Lankenau is up in New York State, colleague of ours. She got rabies vaccines as a vet student like we did. And of course, she stopped after that. But she was curious about her titer. So she measured it periodically, I think every few years, three to five years. And John, it kept going up after she stopped vaccinating for many, many years. It kept going up and then it finally just leveled off. But it persisted for, I don't know how many years. I mean, probably, I, I think she tested out 10 or 12 or more years and it was still there. So that's, that's what we can expect from our animals as well. I'm sure their immune systems are, are happily ticking along with immunity way beyond the three-year mark and well into seniorhood. And we don't need to risk getting them one more shot because they're quote unquote due on somebody's piece of paper, right? Well, thanks, John. Just one more time, reiterate where people can find you online. You, you've got a wealth of information there, it sounds like. Yeah, it's just simply www.protectthepets.com. That's the website. And you can always contact me via email. Beautiful. Thanks so much for coming on, John. Really appreciate your help. Hey, Will, I've always enjoyed what you do. And you're a champion in this field. And I have a lot of respect for you and the people who follow you. So thank you for having me, Will. It's been a pleasure. Great, John. We'll talk to you soon. 